You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome into the Autzen Audible's podcast. Matt Premier, Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. Big day today because we've got a guest on the show, Chief of Staff. Uh, Marshall Malco of the Oregon football program. Marshall, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Fall camp is here. We were just talking about it. Pads are popping. It's it's the time everyone this isn't just you, whether you're in the building like yourself or us covering it. It's an exciting time to to be around football right now. Oh yeah, we're 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 stoked. I mean, this is why you do it right here is um you know, see all these guys, see the team come together. Uh yeah, I mean. You know, love recruiting, um, real passionate about it, but uh, there's nothing like fall camp, getting into the grind. Um, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. Marshley, this is a, you're, you're the chief of staff at Oregon. Um, how would you explain your just day-to-day operations? Um, and I, I would assume it's, it probably changes depending upon – what the calendar says it is. Is that right? Yeah, it does. Um, it does. I, d- I do think that, you know, um, I do think that there's so much now in college football and organizations are getting bigger and bigger. And yeah, my role changes a lot um, depending on what time of year it is. You know, my background's in recruiting. Um, so that's something that I'm always going to be passionate about. Um, and so I'm always leaning towards, towards that side of things, but um yeah, I think I think my main role is to make sure that our head coach and football coaches can focus on what's important, and that's signing good football players, and you know, um, and coaching football, great football players. So, you know, anything I can do to take off uh, Coach Lanning's plate, and um, you know, really be a, a sidekick to him, you know, um, that's that's kind of what I think I'm here for. I mean. Again, college football is, is ever-changing, and the organization is getting bigger and bigger, and there's so much that falls on a head coach's plate, you know, trying to be a guy that can decipher what he needs to know and what he doesn't need to know. And, um, you know, as uh, however I can help, yeah, that, that's what I'm here for. Marshall, you, you kind of said it there. Staffs are expanding. I mean, in the last five to 10 years covering this industry, I mean, there seems like there's more staffers than ever before. And I'll be honest, I don't know if I was even familiar with the chief of staff position until I saw you, your name attached to it at Oregon. Can you give us maybe whatever history you have of kind of this role in college football, kind of when it originated? And then if there are, I know your background's in recruiting, but maybe if you've had like some mentors that have helped you get here um, it, from that background in terms of like a, an administrative role. Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, my main uh, role model and guy that I really looked up to was Ed Manowitz. He was, um, he was my boss at Alabama. And he ended up being actually with Chip with the Eagles. He was the VP of personnel. Um, but he was my boss for four years while I worked in the recruiting department at Alabama. And, you know, um, watching him and Coach Saban's relationship and um, he was on. He was a really good go-to guy for Coach Saban, and seeing him grow throughout his role and his time at Alabama was great to see at a young age. Um, so that's a guy that I really looked up to. His title was Director of Player Personnel, um, but I know that Coach Saban really leaned on him for a lot of different things throughout his time there. So that's definitely one. Um, 
Yeah, and really this role um, is different everywhere, right? Like I've been the director of player personnel or associate athletic director for personnel football or whatever the title is. And I think what it comes down to is, you know, assessing, you know, the needs of the head coach and really like everywhere I've been, my role has been different. And um, you know, the chief of staff role here is really something that I was um, looking forward to the opportunity because of my relationship with Coach Lanning. You know, he was a guy that I really believed in. Um, when I was the director of player personnel at Georgia, we really hit it off mostly because, you know, he was our best recruiter on staff and I was the recruiting guy. And so he's making me look good. He signed, <laughs> he signed about eight of our players at my, his first year at Georgia. Um, so we really hit it off at Georgia. And I knew that my vision and his vision aligned a lot. Like, you know, whenever he would talk about, hey, if I ever get an opportunity, this is the way I wanted to look. And, you know, I saw it the same way. And, um, you know, I think that's the most important thing is, you know, being with somebody that that you believe in. And um, that's one of the main reasons why, you know, this, this opportunity was so exciting to me. Um, Marshall, just want to say, you know, thanks again for coming on the podcast. I was going to ask you to like provide a brief synopsis of the chief staff. I think you just did that. Um, just another follow-up, just how do you think college football and recruiting and how that landscape has changed over the past couple of years to the point where a chief of staff is, you know, becoming more common of a position? I don't know how common it was mm-hmm. even just five years ago, but now you see it kind of all around college football. So just yeah. what do you think has happened there? Yeah, I mean, one thing that I, I really think about a lot is like, for instance, you know, nowadays you have social media graphic designers, you got NIL, you know, you have um, film study. Um, There's just so many things that like a head coach is responsible for, like Nick Saban, right? He doesn't even have social media and he's responsible for hiring graphic designers in the recruiting department, you know, and that's something that you can take off of someone's plate. Like coach Lanning needs to be focused on ball and recruiting. And that's something that I feel like, and it's a small example, but there's a lot of things like that that really you can take off the head coach's plate. Um, obviously, he's responsible for everything. But, you know, I mean, NIL today, right? Like, he, he, he's got to – ultimately, he's responsible for the whole program. But how can I, you know – obviously, we don't have anything to do with NIL. But, you know, in the ever-changing landscape of college football – um, how can we get it to where our coaching staff's really focused on football and recruiting, you know, academics to anything. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just such an expanding, um, you know, college football is just like never stops growing. And I think that you have football coaches that are overseeing things that maybe that that wouldn't be their expertise. Um, so I think that that's where someone like me can come in and really make it easier for a head coach to really, again, you know, focus on practice scripts, focus on being a ball coach, focus on, you know, um, and they don't have to worry about the other stuff because it's getting done and nothing's slipping through the cracks because you have great staff members like Matt Neuer, Cody Look, you know, J.R. Mawal, like – I could go on and on about the staff we have here, um, but my job is to really uh, handle the stuff, 
to make sure that Coach Lanning, again, is focused on the stuff that really moves the needle for our program. What, Marshall, what, what brought you to, to this field? Like, was it, a, was it a, a love for following high school recruiting growing up when, when you were in high school and college, or was it yes. seeing a, 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 a movie or, or another person in, in that position? Like what draw, what, what brought you to this position? Yeah. So um, I played three sports in high school and unfortunately when you're small and slow, you don't, <laughs> you don't get to play at Alabama and uh, you know, went to Alabama and um you know, really my, my first semester there, I kind of realized getting a degree from Alabama is not rocket science. You know, I was a little lost without sports and really felt empty. And so I just hounded the athletic department. I'll take out the trash. I'll do whatever. I just want the opportunity um, to be back and involved in sports. You know, I would, I would go to the Alabama games and I would be watching these guys that were my age. And, you know, it really felt empty to – be in a football stadium and not be a part of a team. Right. Um, and so again, finally uh, got the opportunity to interview, you know, Hey, look, you're not going to get paid. You're going to um, basically coach Saban would only watch um, high school film on VHS. So I would take DVDs, put it back in time to VHS. <laughs> so could watch it with a clicker and really like did any of the grunt work I could um, for four years at Alabama and, you know, really saw it change over time. And I think that uh, my old boss, Ed Manowitz and Coach Saban, were really ahead of the curve where they structured it like an NFL front office. And so I had a huge advantage coming in, um, you know, seeing that structure being run. And now you see all over the country, a lot of people are emulating what was done at Alabama. And, um, yeah, so – that's kind of how I got in it. Um, was very, very lucky just to learn from the right people and um, had the right mindset going in and some great mentors along the way. Um, yeah, so it was, it was a really cool um, opportunity at Alabama, you know, over my four years there, just watching it grow and being, you know, have a front row seat to all the things that were going on at Alabama was awesome. How, how, how many times did you have to reach out before you got – <laughs> a response and I, I mean I imagine that that was a a moment of gratification and, and at the same time showing that you know hard work pays off no doubt no doubt yeah I don't even know if y'all want to know how many times I reached out <laughs> I, yeah so um you know but it, it was great and it, it made me respect the opportunity you know I didn't get paid um right away and didn't want to, and you know, you had to really earn it. And, um, it was a really competitive environment and, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, there's no degree for what I do. You don't go to law school, um, and work in football, you know, there's no degree you can get for working in football as y'all know in sports. And so for me, I felt so fortunate that I didn't even have to pay for this degree. It was like me going to Harvard law school for what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, it, it was, it was just such a great opportunity. And then, you know, since then I've learned from some great people as well. Um, went to Boise state and, you know, I didn't try to force the Alabama system on them. I was sitting back and really admired the way coach Pete did things at Boise state and, um, you know, learning a complete different way and finding how I can implement some things that worked at Alabama that I thought 
work, you know, that would work there. And then went to Louisville with Charlie Strong, learned a lot there and, you know, kind of bounced around a lot, but bought my first house in Eugene. So um, that was kind of how I got the wife to move out here with me. <laughs> and uh, Hopefully we can stop bouncing around, establishing roots. You know, you know, Marshall, I guess I'm tall and slow. I don't know if that's any better, but uh, <laughs> it's definitely better. A little better, uh, I guess. Uh, no, I, I know you on an interview you had with, with Joey Mack on the uh, NLI show. I, I listened to that last night just to kind of get a little background. Uh, you talked about how special of a person Coach Lanning is and, and how, you know, you just you've been around obviously some incredible coaches and you ran through some of them a second ago. Some of the greatest ever do this. Can you is there a story or a moment that kind of sums up? who coach Lanning is and why he's so special and why it felt like this was the right person to be, I guess, following somewhere. Yeah. Um, probably, probably many stories, but, um, you know, I mean, whew, that's, that's a tough one. Um, yeah. I just think that like coach Lanning was a guy that I knew had really high standards for himself and he was always going to be demanding and never cross the line to being demeaning like this stuff's hard we're spending a ton of hours and you know just our relationship and the way he acted around the office and the way he treated people and his work ethic and you know it's like the one plus one plus one you know I, I thought this is a guy that could do it all and there's very few they call him in scouting they call him and players right so he can run and he's big and he's got great character and this. So to be a head coach, you have to wear so many different hats and like this guy can recruit and he can, you know, talk to donors and he can relate to a fan base and he's an unbelievable coach. And, you know, and so the and just kept adding up. And, um, you know, I knew that over time, once this guy got his opportunity, that he would be a guy that I'd want to attach my name with. And, um, you know, a story that I can think of is, you know, Nicobe, Nicobe Dean was a player that he recruited out of Mississippi. And no one thought that we could sign him at Georgia out of Mississippi. And really watching the work ethic that he put in to, to signing that guy is really special. You know, watching all these guys um, really rally around him as the defensive coordinator. And you felt like they were always playing for him. And, um, you know, at, at Georgia, when he, when he was a D.C., like the staff members, you know, watching him always hustle to try and get a G.A., you know, an opportunity to be a position coach, you know, and um, like all those things just add up. And you're like, man, this guy's made of the right stuff. Like he's a guy that you want to run through a wall for because you know that he's going to help you. And, um, you know, his, his heart's always in the right place. I mean, you know, when he got there. He had just come from Memphis, and as I think you all know, his wife had cancer. And, uh, it was a big pivotal moment for him where I think he said it a lot of times, but, you know, he was all ball and really opened his eyes to be more family-oriented and, um, you know, still keeps high standards of football. And so it's, it's not one thing, I guess. It's, it's a lot of things. Um, and, yeah, we carried our friendship over when I went to Texas A&M. We – we talk all the time and um yeah we just have very very uh, similar morals and goals and standards so I'll, I'll kind of follow up on, on a similar question to what eric had just asked but 
you know, just, just why follow, why follow landing, especially when you guys, you know, coming from different schools, you got, you yourself have a really impressive resume working with coach Pete, Jimbo, down at, and then down at Georgia and Bama, just overall, why travel West? Why go West back to, to Eugene, Oregon and follow Dan landing over here? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like really, again, it's not one thing. Like, you know, this is one of the few places in the country where you can really achieve anything you want to. Um, there's not a lot of programs out there that um, you can say, hey, look, this, this program uh, can be a national power for a long time. And, and this is a program, one of probably 10 programs that can say year in and year out, can compete for championships. And then again, like Coach Lanning, I mean, um, really sharing a vision with him. And like, I knew that I knew that he, he was going to um, be extremely successful. And this program paired with Coach Lanning and the staff that he was putting together, I knew I had to be a part of it. Um, yeah, and, and it's, it's been awesome. It's been fun to watch. Uh, it's been fun to watch. You know, now, now we got to get to playing some games, but it's been a great offseason and it's been – been a lot of fun um, watching him be a head coach. You'd think he's been a head coach for 10 years. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Speaking of Mar Marshall Malkow of Chief of Staff of the Oregon Football Program, um, Marshall recruiting you, you said that's kind of your back background um it's turned into a, a 365 day job I mean remember when I started covering Oregon when Mike Bellotti was still the head coach um it was just assumed that the month of July nothing happened like coaches went on vacation recruiting didn't happen um and as it's grown you know you guys have to work more there's more data than there's ever been. It feels like on, on prospects. Uh, how do you balance 
the information that that's now readily available today with recruiting and the sheer just, Hey, let's get in front of him and watch him compete, whether it's a high school football game or a workout camp that you guys put on at, at Autzen or another sport that you guys go and evaluate him for. How's that balance of the measurables and all the data you can get on players to just simply watching in person? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a really good question. It's, it's um, there's a sliding scale, right. Where like, um, you know, coach Lanning and I both come from a similar background where uh, like size speed. Right. Um, but then, you know, there's guys that are exceptions to the rule and that's really where the tape comes in. You know, there's guys in my past that have, have been five stars and, you know, we wouldn't take him wherever I was because of, hey, look, if you're going to play corner in, in this league, you got to be able to run. I don't care how good your tape is. So if you come here and you run, you know, 4-8, like you can have great tape, but you just aren't going to be able to run with these receivers in this league. And so, um, you know, you definitely use it and it's a resource for us. Um, but obviously the tape is the resume and, you know, really one of the best resources that we have now is, are these kids go to these camps all over the country and we can watch them work out at a camp. Maybe, you know, there's an Under Armour camp in, um, Ohio and, you know, we get the results, but we can also watch that camp. You don't necessarily have to have kids on your campus to watch the workout. And, you know, that's, that's been huge because you can keep stacking these things. It's like you can make decisions a lot quicker than you used to. You used to have to get them to your high school camp and really um, evaluate them. Well, now we can get that camp tape, put the numbers and, but, but we'll always be a team that, that wants fast players that um, are big and fast. And um, we'll we'll never, uh, we think that we don't have to settle here at Oregon. Uh, So we want the numbers, you know, we want the football film, we want, you know, so this is never going to be a place where we settle for a guy that can't do it all. Um, and so that, that would be, it's, it's a great resource that we have to use the numbers, but, um, you know, we're going to cut up high school tape too. And we're going to see, you know, um, we're going to see what they look like on tape. You just spoke about kind of assessing players' talent. And I think what's interesting is in recruiting, you know, like in NFL scouting, that's a part of the division. But then you have the choice to go pick whoever you want to pick based upon your assessments. This is different where there's also this relationship part where ultimately the recruit gets to decide where he's going. How much of your job or I'm just curious behind the curtain what it's like of, okay, you have a kid on a campus and it seems like he really likes it. How are you assessing where you guys stand with the recruit, um, you know, are there, you know, are, are you guys communicating informally or are there meetings within the staff to kind of assess, okay, this is where, this is where we're at with things. I mean, I'm just curious behind the scenes, what, what the process is of, of going from, I guess, point A of, okay, we really like this recruit to point B, let's establish the relationship to C, they let's sign him. Cause it feels like there's a lot of lines you have to uh, cross to get to the finish line. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. In the NFL, you have to have it right on draft day. Yeah. You know, for us, like there's 
you're evaluating as you're marketing to a kid. So our four pillars in recruiting are identification. You know, we have a great identification team that finds as much information as they can on each player so we can get to the evaluation stage. Um, and the evaluation stage is taking all that information and making a decision on the player. And then, you know, you go to the marketing phase, which is, you know, we always call it the trailer um, to try and get them to come to Eugene, Oregon. And that's, you know, phone calls, that's text messages, that's graphics, that's highlight videos, that's social media, you know, all those things is marketing. And then finally, you know, creating uh, what we call the customer experience and customer experience where they come. But you never stop evaluating. You know, there's some times where you get around a kid and you think he's a good player, maybe not a great player. And you're around him and you're like, hey, look, this guy you know, doesn't fit our culture. And we like him on film. And it's sometimes you have a personal relationship with them. And, but you never stop evaluating. And if if you do that thing right, like right now, we're, we're um, September 1st is, is a big day for 24s. And, you know, we've watched over 500 uh, 2024s. And, you know, we have a huge board um, where we've identified the guys that we really like, but we're going off a sophomore film going into junior year and we've set a board, but it's always fluid. You're always, you're always evaluating. And, you know, I think back to my, you know, below average high school career, you know, <laughs> but when I was a sophomore, I was obviously better as a senior and you know, these guys grow and they change and they develop. So but you have to be ready for things like September 1st. I mean, there are guys that you have enough information on to know, like, hey, look, my wife could tell you this guy could play for the Ducks. You know, <laughs> the, the guys that are um, freak shows and uh, they're going into their junior year. And then the guys that you want to keep warm that you're trying to figure out more information on. And we kind of call that the winnable category. Hey, this guy's a winnable Pac-12 player. Let's watch his film and let's make sure to keep him warm. And um, then you got the, you know, we have a grading scale um, where we grade different things. And, um, but you're constantly evaluating. You touched on this earlier, going back to Bama in 2008. You, you would turn the, turn the DVDs into VHSs. Um, you worked with, you know, former Ole Miss GM, Matt Lindsay, and then now Drew Hughes, who's the director of player personnel for the Jaguars. I think he's in his second year. Just you know, to you, how much has recruiting changed since? I know you kind of answered that a little bit before, but, and how now at Oregon, like, how do you try to stay on top of it? How do you try to move ahead and get ahead of where the recruiting trends are? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Drew and, and uh, Matthew Lindsay are some of my best friends and, you know, they uh, are great guys. And, you know, one thing I would say is, uh hiring young people and trying to develop them. Right. So for me, like um, when me and Matt, we started off in the office, you know, I started off a little bit before him, but there are only two people in there and, you know, Matt came on a little bit later and then Drew came on a little bit later. And um, we had, we developed a really good culture where we were each assigned to a position coach. And my position coach that I worked with was coach smart and developed a relationship with him there. Um, and we kind of saw ourselves as like area scouts where Coach Smart was recruiting Georgia and I was, that was my area. And then we had, you know, position and we would, you know, he had the defense. So I'm always trying to identify prospects from that, um, from those areas. And then whenever a recruit came on campus that was from that area or his position group, I would always try to do my best to make sure they had a good experience on campus. And 
um, you know, really like hiring young people and, you know, listening to their ideas. Like they're, they're the same age as these guys. It used to be so much easier as a college student uh, to relate to these um, high school kids. And, you know, now I haven't probably listened to the music those guys listen to. And not only that, but like, you know, those guys know stuff like TikTok. Like I'm not on TikTok, but I want us to have a presence on TikTok because I know that our recruits are on TikTok. So hiring that young guy that can run TikTok and knows the trends and um, makes us look cool to 17 and 18-year-olds is uh, vital. And, you know, I I think Ed did a great job of listening to some of us when we were in college. And, um, you know, there's guys that have worked worked with me at Georgia and um, worked for me at Washington, Georgia, and other places that have now gone on to other programs because, you know, they took some of my ideas and they made them better. And, um, you know, making sure I give those guys the ability to do that, um, to have a voice and to try new ideas and to make things better. Um, we're always looking for an edge, always looking for an edge in recruiting. I was this summer talking with one of the basketball assistant coaches, um, and he would he had mentioned that the most important recruit is a player currently on his roster and roster management, making sure that, you know, in today's era of the transfer and the transfer portal and the waivers that guys can get to, to go play right away somewhere else. It just felt like you got to You got to hone in on your current guys. First and foremost, how how do you manage your your, I guess, recruiting numbers year in year out when it can fluctuate so much. Yeah, that's really hard. And again, like you're saying, it's changing all the time. They just passed a new rule where you can sign more than 25. The only thing that matters is your 85. And so, um, you know, you got to be innovative and um, yeah, I mean, the portal is, is really tough. And I think this like now more than ever, it's more important to have a great culture within your team. And, you know, these players want, want to have high standards. They want to be, you know, demanded excellence. They want to be great. They want to go into the NFL. Like, I mean, they're all competitors. And so, yeah, I mean, you have to be demanding, but you have to have a great culture in order to retain and acquire new talent. Um, you know, Coach Lanning says all the time, our best recruiters are our team. They're going to tell them exactly how, it is here and um, we want them saying good things because if you don't treat these guys right and you are demeaning, um, you know, have a toxic culture, these guys won't stay. And, um, you know, hopefully if you have a good culture and guys still have time to develop and they have to wait behind someone, they're more willing to do it because they know that the culture is not toxic. And, you know, that's, um, yeah, I mean, that's, Kind of Coach Lanning's vision is attention and, and retention and acquisition of you know if there's not if there's a toxic culture coaches will leave too staff members will leave but um, you know I think that we have a really good culture that he's established and hopefully we can fight our fight our tail off to retain some of these guys that um, you know don't want to go to the portal because they like being a duck. Well, I got time for a couple more with you, Marshall. We really appreciate your, your yeah. giving us being so generous today. Uh, just kind of following up on some of what you talked about earlier with the pillars and, and recruiting and kind of you have so many prospects that you've looked at already for 24. Can you maybe 
give us an idea behind the scenes how many people are helping with that evaluation process? Because I, I, I know, I know, obviously the coaches are ultimately maybe decision makers on okay who we're going to jump on, but like how how many people behind the scenes are there? And if you have time to maybe name some of you, you, you can, but just to, to help you get to the point where you can even say you have a, a list of five hundred that you've identified. Yeah. Um, so we basically put someone in charge of every position, you know, that's an off the field staff member, um, in our recruiting department. And so we, we want to build, um, we, we got a group of grinders that are always trying to, you know, find that next piece of information for us to make a decision. Like the coach says, Hey, look, this guy, um, I don't know if he's fast enough. Hey, look, how can we dig up a hundred meter time? How can we dig up a 40? How can we? figure out to find out, answer that question so we can make a decision on a prospect. Um, so we have, you know, I don't want to leave anybody out. Um, we have about 10 guys, you know, Tyler Dean's our, our director of scouting um, here. And he, he's uh, done a great job of stepping up there. You know, another guy, um, Pat Biondo, J.R. Malala, um, Ryan Brosnan, Brian um, Bachman. Yeah, we, we got probably 10 guys. Um, uh, that they're grinding back there. And then we got a group of students that cut tape all the time and put them on the XOs. Um, so coaches can watch quick and make lists. So, Hey, look, Hey, coach Lang says, we only have an hour to watch film. How many guys can we get through? So how organized are we with our information and the film that they can make quick decisions and get through about eight to 10 guys in an hour because we're super efficient and we can get offers out there or, you know, we can find out what else we need to go find to make a decision on a player. I don't know how much time we have left, so I might just do a, a quick question because I don't think I don't think we'll fit it in. But so far in, in 2022, just what's been your favorite moment of being an Oregon Duck? Hmm. Probably the spring game. You know, um, just to see the fan base receive this new staff, and you know, watching our players really buy in. And I really think the thing that makes this place special is Oxen Stadium and this fan base. I think that um, what's going to make us different than our competitors is the home game environment. I mean, these, these guys want to play in front of a lot of people. And I think seeing that atmosphere and seeing this fan base really respond uh, of Coach Lanning, you know, wanting to get everybody out there. Um, you know, I can't wait for the first game against Eastern. And, you know, another home game against BYU because that's what makes this place special. It's, it's um, this environment, you know, is second to none. And we need to have this as the best environment. That, that spring game was awesome. You know, we had so many recruits on campus that were blown away by the support of the fans. And, you know, for Coach Landing to call to sell a game out for the, you know, our fan base almost did it. Uh, it was really cool to see. And uh, it was a really fun event for our recruits. And I think it gave us a lot of momentum going into spring recruiting. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can continue it throughout the season um, because I think Oxen Stadium is, is really special. And, um, yeah, so that, that's probably been the best thing so far. Marshall, thanks for taking the time to come on the show. We really appreciate it. We'd love to get you back on as it gets closer and later into the year, uh, but we'll take it where we can get you. Uh, we really appreciate the time and good, good stuff with uh, you're giving us your background. I think Duck fans are really interested in just your role and who you are. 
No, well, thanks so much for having me. This was awesome, guys. And shoot, hopefully uh, next time we see each other, we'll um, have some wins under our belt. Yeah.